Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Nidhi Basin, CEO of the NASCOM Foundation. They believe in tech for good, and indeed, they represent the tech industry in India. They focus on three key areas digital literacy, skilling and employability, and women entrepreneurs. Today, we're going to be focusing on digital literacy and how it's so consequential on so many levels. So without further ado, Nidhi, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Thank you so much, Alberto. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Excellent. Me too. So you're out there in India and Delhi. I'm here in the UK, so not too much of a time difference. Why don't we start by finding out a little bit about the NASCOM Foundation? What's it all about? Sure. So um, NASCOM Foundation is a part of uh, the NASCOM ecosystem. And NASCOM is the biggest uh, industry body representing the tech industry in India. And we are about a 20-year-old organization working majorly with the agenda of tech for good. And we believe that if you need to bring in any transformation, uh, it has to be with the technology, especially in a country like India. And uh, with that agenda, we work across the country. India is a very, very large country. And within this country, we work in almost 24 states. And uh, the overall thing is to reach out to the last mile. And we do work along with the government's agenda of digital India, which is basically something that uh, through digitization, through technology, one needs to reach the last mile. And with that thing, we actually, especially in the next few years, we are looking at really going deeper in the rural areas, the last mile, using technology for uh, making sure the marginalized are able to upscale, upscale themselves. And there is a huge difference in the livelihoods, the income, the lifestyles. And our whole agenda is inclusion for all. Mm. And when you say tech for good, obviously, uh, there's just so much going on in India with regards to high tech and really innovative outfits out there. Give us a little bit of a flavor of your um, constituents, your backers. Uh, how are they uh, involved with you uh, on the technology side? You know, uh, when we say tech for good, uh, it is it's a it's a very very wide broad uh, canvas where it means technology for the nonprofit organizations. So uh, we have uh, millions of organizations, nonprofit organizations in India. So uh, one part is that where we are trying to provide them and up, again upscale them through uh, introducing them to technology, understanding how softwares or other platforms can help them to have a higher efficiency. And uh, the other side is the innovation side, where, where we work with startups. Uh, we do work with pre-startups. We, in fact, work with many colleges and universities across the country, where along with introducing the idea of entrepreneurship and skilling, we also make them think about social impact at a very early age. And uh, we've had some brilliant solutions coming out where um, very young students have developed apps for, let's say, mental uh, health or, let's say, how a farmer in the rural area can use, uh, can increase the yield by using a certain kind of technology. So we have we have startups which work on health at um, at the last mile where, where in terms of um, maybe reproductive health or in terms of maybe breast cancer uh, at the rural area, at the primary health centers. 
how technology can really help them to reach the last mile. We have, um, when it comes to tech for good, we are working on AI and social impact. So again, it's 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 from helping a nonprofit organization, which is very very small, to coming up with solutions which are helping along with the state governments to really come up with uh, options, high efficiency, low cost solutions for things from environment to health to social change overall. And help me understand. So when you're saying you're coming up with solutions, maybe with AI or other other methodologies, um, is this you and your in-house uh, team and human capital that are driving this? Or is it your constituent members and backers who are themselves tech firms and then they can leverage their technology to help you do what you want to do give us a little bit of a flavor for that so it's kind of a combination uh, we definitely leverage the uh, tech ecosystem the nascom ecosystem that we have so while we may have some in-house resources but we look at industry mentors we look at specialists from different kind of csr partners other 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 industry leaders and we also look at, uh, you know, in terms of whether there is also some alignment from the government. So, um, yes, some people in-house, but more in terms of uh, specialists who come in, you know, as volunteers or it could be as consultants, as mentors. So there's a huge variety that we work with. But of course, we definitely, definitely leverage on the ecosystem that the tech industry has. Yes. Uh-huh. And the NASCOM ecosystem, what does it look like? NASCOM is the biggest tech industry body. So in terms of, you name the corporate in terms of this area and they are a part of this, uh, they are a NASCOM member. So, um, you know, from, from the bigger companies, from the Googles to the Microsofts to the Cisco's to smaller ones, Indian origin companies like Zohu and all of that, we have a huge variety out here who can be up, who actually come forward and support us in our initiative. So we have mentors, especially for innovation programs, coming from all some of these companies and also you know in terms of um, volunteers so uh, volunteering is a very big thing so we actually do a lot of work around skill-based volunteering where maybe from a particular corporate uh, uh, there is somebody who wants to give their time so we try and match that with a non-profit organization looking at a particular solution and and uh, so that's how we work with both yeah the whole ecosystem put together yeah. great and how do you decide um, where you're going to focus? So whether it's geographically or thematically or on the tech side, how would you how would you describe that? You know, before I answer that question, I would probably you know highlight what's our vision for the next few years. And and we are looking at uh, you know last year we said that looking at how the country is positioned, and we're talking about what I mentioned earlier, digital India. Uh, we're talking about impacting 100 million lives by 2026. And uh, when when we are looking at something like that, then we are also looking at, uh, okay, within if we need to impact 100 million lives, which are the areas we need to focus on? And what we did was that more of talk to the industry about it. What do, you know, what does the industry feel? What should be the focus area? Along with that, we align ourselves to the government agenda. We because we do believe that if you align that to the government agenda, it would be able you would one would be able to have a deeper impact. Uh, and what came across, what we came across was that, of course, with the larger umbrella, larger goal of tech for good, uh, the need is absolutely to uh, make the rural India digitally literate. Uh, the second is skilling and employability. We are talking about a huge talent gap across the world, especially in India. 
and we're also talking about we have the youngest unemployed youth population in india so there's a huge skill gap there and the third is uh, women entrepreneurs so women of course is in terms of gender in india we are way behind the world average and uh, in fact women entrepreneurs we have i think we have only about 13% of uh, our entrepreneurs in india as as uh, only 13% as women entrepreneurs and if you go rural it's even lesser so these are the three areas we decided that you know if we really want to reach the last mile and we have to use technology and and that's how we decided on the focus areas and every program that we are doing we are trying to build up on these three uh, verticals and um, so uh, end of the day it's, it's aligning to your donor which is basically the corporate you are aligning it to what the sdg goals are you are aligning to how government is trying to achieve that and when i mentioned uh, digital literacy in fact one is uh, working in the rural area the second is as actually Uh, india has something declare something called 112 aspirational district which was truly backward districts and um, we are trying to take our digital literacy programs in these aspirational districts so we are talking about you know doing a large number of districts within this program which means that again you know uh, if we are talking about achieving sdgs then how reaching the last mile and this is truly truly last mile uh, how reaching out to the last mile will really help the country to achieve sdgs and tell me what's that one thing or case or initiative that you think you know what this is something that i'm either losing sleep over because i'm so excited about going forward or something that i'm really proud about what we achieved sure i think every day there's a new initiative of course especially if you're feeling uh, you, if you're working in the tech field there is new innovation new idea on a daily basis but within that i would just say that you know um when we decided to work uh, on digital literacy especially what i mentioned as aspirational district um the within a year how we being able to scale up on that uh, we you know we starting with one center we are talking about probably doing 20 30 40 centers we are trying to scale up on that and the response that we are getting on that uh we know that uh, with a smaller effort low cost uh, kind of a project we'll be able to reach out to the larger masses and how we are doing it is not only making them digitally literate but we are building in technology because which means that once uh, they are digitally literate we are also helping them to access government schemes in india every state has hundreds of government schemes but people don't know about it and and so so i think that's one of my most exciting programs that i can say that you know which which is already showing results of course it's a long way to go um along with that i would also say that um, the pre startup program that i spoke about earlier when we were working with colleges and universities when you're able to work with young minds uh, you know we are talking about uh, bigger corporates talking about sustainability and giving today right but uh, this is the future of the country when we working with colleges universities and if you are able to see that idea of giving back to the society whatever you do you know if you're going to create a startup or you're going to work anywhere or you're going to create your own business think from giving back give think from social impact social purpose sustainability right from the beginning i think and 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 the kind of ideas that come from these college students i feel they are phenomenal it's just that if we have the right kind of capital to put in that um i think we we would be reaching uh, in country like india would be reaching is sdg sooner than than we think but yes we need a huge amount of capital out there 
Yeah, look, if you can achieve the SDGs between be, before 2030, great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hat, but yeah. Off to you. Um, <laughs> on the digital literacy front, I think maybe people listening to it might think, yes, I think I know what it means, but I'm not quite sure what it means. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. How would you define digital literacy? So, um, you know, when, when we are looking at uh, digital literacy, it's got two or three different levels of it. So one is that uh, the very, very foundational basic thing where you, um, some things that we take for granted that, um, you know, everybody knows how to use a smartphone. Everybody knows how to make an online payment. Actually, when you go uh, to certain areas within the country, I'm talking about India here, there is a majority of population which who doesn't know how to use even a smartphone. They do not have a smartphone. They don't know. Don't know how. They don't know how to make an online payment. Um, they may have a bank account, but they don't know how to do it online. So they will probably walk five hundred, you know, for I mean five or six kilometers to actually get some money out. So, um, so the, the first step is to give them that basic knowledge training about how they can access how to use internet you know how to how to access technology so it's first is about accessing technology uh especially with the younger lot it is also about um taking this to the next level how they can get skilled in terms of digital skilling in terms of uh, a certain level of basic things from an employment point of view so whether whether it is about uh, you know again what we think Actually, we what we take for granted that everybody would know how to use a word or everybody would know how to use Excel. Actually, there's a huge gap there. So those are basic things that when, when, when we talk about digital literacy, we are talking about that first point that somebody will be able to use, um, get information, access information by using technology. And, and uh, the second step is, of course, when you go into slightly more skill training, making them employable, making them, you know, in terms of also ready for future uh, things which are coming on. So that's what we are talking about. And a lot of our programs when it comes to digital literacy are focused around women. We also have programs which are focused on elderly because um, elderly are, you know, left behind. They don't know in terms of a lot of people assume that they don't need to use it but it, it's it's a good thing for them also to from from their own safety point of view or from their own information point of view uh, so these are different things that we do we also when we say digital literacy we also talking about uh, making the masses aware in terms of, of of cyber security how to keep them safe when it comes to accessing wallets e-payments all of that so there are different aspects of it but we are looking at the population which actually doesn't know how to use a smartphone also interesting interesting and um is it fair to say then the older demographic perhaps is that segment where the most basic digital literacy needs to be addressed opening up a computer using a smartphone and then yeah. the younger demographic perhaps with a stronger focus on employability, slightly more advanced literacy? Yes, in a way, right. But within uh, the first part of it also, there could be a certain population which needs the initial foundational thing of also how to use a, how to access a computer. But yes, broadly speaking, yes, major uh, population in terms of adult population is about how to use computer smartphones and all of that. And the younger population is a lot about scaling them for future or employment okay 
And you touched on the SDGs, obviously a huge topic. If we look at SDG 5 and we're looking at gender, and we've had many different um, interviews, podcast interviews uh, with folks who are doing great work in India. Uh, I know that is an issue. And so tell us a little bit about how it manifests itself in day in and day out in the most marginalized parts of the country where you're operating. What does it look like? I mean, are, do you have situations where girls and women simply have been excluded from what the rest of the household is, uh, is able to uh, benefit from in terms of accessing digital technology, being conversant with it? I think the issue continues uh, if... if uh... Okay, I think the rural areas have a different problem versus the urban areas. So I think I can address this in two ways. One, we are when we are looking at uh, when I say the last mile, more of rural India is what I'm talking about. Uh, yes. Um, so you know what COVID showed was that when uh, children could not access, uh, could not go to school, and uh, there was an option of only one child in the family being able to use the online because they may have one tab or one smartphone in the family uh, who had to drop out. Obviously, the girl child had to drop out. Uh, and that was a trend across the country. Uh, and that, in fact, has increased the gender gap out here in terms of education also. Last two years hasn't been very good from a girl education point of view. But on the other hand, I'll give you a positive side out here is that before COVID for NASCOM Foundation Digital Literacy Program, we had more, more than 70% of our beneficiaries as men. But in the last two years, it's changed. In more than 60% are women. So that means that it's also one, uh, there's more effort, very conscious effort to uh, of reaching out to women. But somewhere, uh, women themselves are realizing that, you know, if they need to move forward. They need access to technology. So that's that's a huge change that we have seen in the last two years. Um, probably I'll add something from a very urban point of view uh, is, um, of course, there is this larger conversation about a lot of women who decided to drop out of work during this last two years, COVID situation, working from home, they could not handle the pressure. At the same time, because of all the hybrid working, a lot of women have joined back work also. Uh, but, you know, keeping that in mind, what we do at NASCOM Foundation, we run actually an upskilling pr uh, program for women working in technology industry. And, and what was our latest analysis of that is that in the last three cohorts we have done, um, more than 60% of our of the women who were the participants of the cohorts actually were able to grow in their professional, in their careers because of this course. So what it needs is, is actually constant mentoring, constant handholding from, if you look at it from people who are already a part of workforce. But yes, gender is an issue, continues to be an issue, and I don't think COVID has helped that much. It is remarkable how that statistic's been flipped almost entirely over in terms of initially pre-pandemic times, it was 70% male. Yes. Uh, and and now, let's say, 60% female. Um, is the pendulum moving back at all? So I, I've, I've been hearing this a little bit about some of the changes that have happened uh, during the pandemic and now that we're sort of at least ostensibly on the tail end of it, that maybe the pendulum's moving back a little bit. 
not in the areas that we are working in, not in our kind of programs. We are continuing to see the growth uh, within and and probably that's also because of a very focused approach from our end. Uh, it could be because of that. But uh, of course, you know, I cannot talk about generic because right now I don't think there's too much of research being done to see that if it's moving back in the last year or so. But uh, in our own personal experience, as far as NASCOM Foundation goes, um, we are moving more and more towards uh, having more of women, girls in our digital literacy, in our uh, skilling programs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are you facing any uh, challenges regarding social norms and how people feel about women in education? And uh, do you do you find people in the communities with whom you're engaging sometimes uh, coming up to you and saying, no, we're not happy with this? Yes, see, um, India has a cultural history. So while, yes, gender is a problem across the world. So we have a certain limitation also from it, where we come from, uh, from, a, from a cultural point of view. That is a problem that's there, but one if one keeps that in mind and design your programs without challenging the men out here, I think because what we do, we do believe is that if we need to bring a change, it has to be with the boys, it has to be with the men, right? We can't just talk about women. Uh, so in, in fact, the program that we talk about uh, in from the industry upskilling point of view, a lot of mentors that we have, and these are all tech-based mentors, are actually most of them are men. And and because we feel that you need to sensitize the men along with if you need to make the women move forward, you just women cannot do it. We can't do it on our own. So, yes, there are issues culturally. Uh, there are uh, problems uh, even in some of our digital literacy program. Um, we do from time to time face, and especially now that we are going into these aspirational districts, really backward areas, there are a lot of questions. That's why you need to work with the communities. You know, we cannot just work in isolation. So our whole strategy is that wherever we go, whichever area we work with, we work with the local community. We work with that smaller part of what in, in India is called panchayat. So, you know, the, the government part of it, the local government, because uh, without that, you cannot really, you know, bring that change. Mm -hmm. yeah. You touched a little bit earlier about an, an inability to know what programs from the government are out there. So let me ask you a little bit about uh, how women may be able to use the digital literacy side of things in order to become better informed about their own rights and how to uh, be able to address uh, and have recourse to solutions that they may be completely ignorant about in a non-digitally literate world, as it were. Yeah. So there, there are multiple parts of it. So first part is if you're making anybody uh, digitally literate, even something as simple as helping them to access YouTube or any information to that's where if they have a question, they may be able to go and look for information themselves. So that's that may sound very easy, but it's very, very important that, you know, something again, I keep on saying there's something that we take for granted, you know, and, and so that's that's one thing, one part of it. Uh, the second is that uh, even the digital uh, literacy centers that we are setting across the country in the aspirational districts, we are making e-governance a part of it, which, which means that we would be helping the community to access government information and schemes. So that is where if there is something from a local point of view, there is certain information, certain 
it could be as simple as there is a particular easy pay loan for a woman which actually they don't know if we are able to give them that information because now they are digitally literate how that will really help them to change the story in terms of their own positioning in the family right because which means that they probably could be a contributor a formal contributor to the income in the family right and that is how the whole cha- change comes around uh the third part is that we as a organization in a tech for good we do come up with solutions so we actually have come up with a solution it's called my umber my umber means weather okay um it it's basically a hidden domestic violence app where in front of it it is it gives you a weather update but there's a helpline behind it very centric to india so there's a helpline behind it there's information behind it so if somebody is going through domestic violence who do they reach out for legal opinion who do they reach for help so all the information is given out there so these are different things in terms of how you know any woman who is in danger how accessing information can help them to really take the next step very very interesting the literacy centers that you mentioned uh what do they look like and uh, how many people are are engaged with them give us a little bit of insight into that sure so each center is probably um so it's it's a small setup within so within a district and this a district would have anything between 20 to 40 villages in it and we try and identify a central place which is accessible for all um this each center probably have five computers in it and uh, also along with that you have tabs because there are a lot of people who cannot come to the center elderly people with disabilities so that's where the the project staff can actually go to them instead of them coming to the center and from one center from a digital awareness digital literacy other trainings access to government scheme every center in each year would probably reach out to 30000 people so so that is the over and that's how and also the center is designed in a way that especially for the youth if they want to come and probably see because again it's 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 areas where people forget smartphones people don't have any kind of may not have a regular phone also so they don't have computers so that's where especially the youth can come here and you know practice learn how to use computers but the overall idea is to reach out to the larger community and that's why it's got both the mobile side of it which is tabs and all of that which can be carried to a person's house and people coming to the center mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with these centers do you uh, sometimes transition them as it were into the government or local authorities i'm just wondering whether you know you come in you set up a literacy center and then um aim to move out of that and set set up something else or do you just keep on building and installing centers ac- across the the region um give us a little bit of a insight into that is there any sort of transitioning of these centers into into local authorities so uh, see this is the first lot of these kind of centers that we are setting up but the plan is that how we can use this base to one do other aligned work so whether it is about um, skilling uh, in terms of pure tech based skilling especially with the gig economy and all of that can we actually have the youth uh, coming into the centers and getting trained for tech enabled role that would be the second step or the third step also in terms of um, uh, linking the women entrepreneurship uh, ship uh, ecosystem to it so if you're working in a certain area 
can we identify women farmers, women artisans, women retailers who are working in these areas and see if the center can become a common point for us to train them. But along with that, eventually it has to add the model in such a way that the centers we are training, every center would have what we are calling them digital ambassadors. Every center would have 50 ambassadors who in the long run would be able to earn a certain income by certain activities. So the center will become sustainable. It won't be dependent on the funding forever. In a couple of years, the center will become sustainable. But also if there is a scope to align it with the government and if there's a government partnership, that's always a way forward. Yeah. And how did you get into all of this? So what's your personal narrative? How did you end up where you are today? Okay, so um, I think uh, when I look back, I think I, I now can acknowledge the fact that probably it's in my DNA. So I'm, I'm, I, my, my father was in defense and a very, very passionate person. So, and he's been a part of some war also. So we heard stories from here, him. And I think somewhere we grew up, uh, we are three sisters. So we grew up, I think somewhere about giving back very, it came up very naturally to us. And as I was growing up, I wanted to be a bureaucrat. And I was studying, I was studying hard to be a bureaucrat, but somewhere in the middle of my graduation, I realized uh, when I started volunteering with a few organizations, nonprofit organizations, I realized my heart is here. And I decided to pursue my education in social work. And, um, and from there, there was no looking back. I think it's been what, 22, 23 years. And um, so just, just being a part of the sector, grown with the sector, and uh, that's why I say it's in my DNA. It's a very vibrant sector, isn't it? I mean, in India, I think the space is just not only growing like wildfire, but it's also very uh, innovative. It is, it is, especially in the last few years, uh, because one, um, looking at the size of the country, the population of the country, there are so many challenges. So there's always so much to do. There's so much to innovate. There's so much to collaborate um and and uh, to be fair no matter who does what no single person or organization can bring that change so it's it's so much to do that um yeah i think it's i whoever works in this sector it's yeah it's very vibrant it's full of energy yeah i mean the bad thing is that there is so much need so that's the bad thing but at least there are so many good actors coming in and and trying to to change that and reduce that need aren't they Absolutely. And I, I think a country like ours can actually show that how especially and I'm coming to my what what is my most right now, my current passion is technology and bringing in the change. So a country like that, we are at the right place to say that how technology can really bring in that transformation at a quick pace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's good that you have full alignment between the um, incredibly numerous tech companies you have on the ground and, and the government who seem to be really keen on driving forward the, the technology agenda as well. Yeah, yeah. And it has to be a public-private nonprofit partnership. It cannot happen without that. Yeah. Is there a key takeaway that you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Uh, sure. I think... Um... What's my always my favorite is um, no matter which sector you are a part of, um, if if we all can give back in our own way, whether it is time, it is money, it is uh, your knowledge, your expertise. Um, I think I think um, across the world, 
the sector needs more acknowledgement, more encouragement and more support. Love it. Perfect. Well, look, thanks so much for joining us today on the Do One Better podcast. It's been really great uh, speaking with you, learning about your work. And uh, thanks for making the time. Thank you so much. I love this conversation. Thank you so much. It was lovely to be here. Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Nidhi Basin, Chief Executive Officer of the NASCOM Foundation. For information about this conversation and 200 other case studies and interviews with remarkable leaders in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit us at Ligi.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. Thoroughly enjoyed producing today's show for you. I hope you enjoyed it as well, and I'll catch you on Monday.